0: The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning everybody. Welcome. Uh, So glad that you're here. I I just thought I'd, I'd take a moment to introduce myself. Uh, because I haven't been around for a while. I had a teaching break through the month of July, which I greatly appreciate uh, the opportunity to do that. And uh, my name is Alan, and I'm, uh, I'm glad to be back. I want to introduce myself because I know some of you are new... uh, over in the past few weeks, and so you're looking up at me and saying, who's this guy? And you're saying, where's Don? and where's Mark, and where's uh, Greg, who uh, did such a great job over the month of July? And so, well, you're back with being stuck with me, and uh, you're back with continuing our foundation journey. The journey that we've been on this year is we've identified 40 foundational passages of scripture. And these are kind of the best 40, the top 40. Very subjective to make a decision like that, but these are the 40 that we're taking a look at, and we're inviting you to learn uh, these verses, to spend some time with them, to perhaps even memorize them. We were inviting you, some of you to, you know, to come and, <coughs> excuse me, to come and uh, memorize them a little bit. I know that uh, a couple weeks ago, Greg stood right here as part of his message, and he asked, how many of you are memorizing the Scriptures, and then no one raised their hand. And then Greg said, okay, let's not tell Alan. That this is See, you think I don't know this stuff, but I know. I have people. that I know these things. And let me tell you why I'm not concerned about that little moment and people not… because what kind of a person in a moment like that really is going to raise their hand? me, Craig. No, I'm I'm memorizing my Scripture. looks like they're not, but I'm doing it. I mean, who's going to do that? I get that. So, no problem that you didn't raise your hand. That's what I would expect. In fact, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for not raising your hand, because I know that some of you are fully engaging with these Scriptures. Some of you are memorizing what you can. You're identifying some. Maybe not all 40, but you're memorizing some of them. You're taking them in, and that's good. That's a good thing. I just want to uh, uh, remind you that we have In the lobby, we have little cards that have the Scriptures on them, and so you can pick those up in the lobby from the Scriptures that we've been doing here this year, take them home, attach them to your mirror, attach them to your computer, attach them to inside of your glasses, whatever it might take for you to to absorb and to invite those Scriptures to be uh, truly a part of your journey. We invite you to do that. This morning, we're continuing the journey. What we're doing is we're identifying 40 foundational passages of Scripture and how they fit in to the overall story of God. That we're looking at the story from the very beginning to the very end. And right now, we're in the fourth of seven sections. And this fourth section is called The Revolution. It represents the second half of the New Testament, the revolution that the followers of Christ continued after Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, this morning we are continuing with uh, the book of Romans, which is part of the revolution story written by Paul. Back in June, uh, my, uh, my last Sunday, we looked at Romans chapter 8, and now we're looking at Romans chapter 12, at two uh, great verses there at the beginning of chapter 12 that I know many of you are familiar with. What I want to do is... Um, uh, uh, is, uh, is invite you to stand up uh, for just a moment. Out of reverence for God's Word, let us stand. Let us read these verses together before we pray and launch into the message. Will you read this with me? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, once again, we are thankful to be here in this place to set aside this time to think about things that perhaps we have not been thinking about this week, to focus on these words, the gift that you've given us through these two verses, God. Would you help them to become a part of us so that it's not a weekly experience with you. It's a daily experience with you. It's an hourly experience with you as we invite these things into our lives and invite them to affect how we live. God, we ask you to do that. We ask for your Holy Spirit to come and allow these words to impact us deeply. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Please go ahead and have a seat. This verse talks about the will of God. And I am confident that that most of you, if not every one of you here in this room, at some point in your life, you have wanted to know the will of God. At some point in your life, you just wanted to, you had a decision in front of you and just, and just maybe your faith journey was just beginning or your faith journey is just beginning. But that idea of, I want to know the plan. God, I want to know what your will is for my life. My, I'm confident most of you, I, I'm, I'm even confident that many of you here in this room right now are desperately seeking the will of God in some area of your life. That there's some piece where you are on a journey right now. What is the will of God for my life? And it and it is it is something that we they absolutely absolutely want to know. We want to dig in. We want to discover that. And it's an elusive thing. There is a reason that many of us um, there's a reason that many of us have a hard time finding the will of God. Maybe, maybe you're young and, you're, and your journey is, I want to know what college I'm supposed to go to. I want to know what, uh, what major I'm supposed to get after. And, and these decisions are just so difficult and so overwhelming. I want to know... What, what God wants me to do with my life. I want to know what, what God's will is for my life, and, and I don't feel like I'm equipped to make these decisions right now, but I want to make them because I'm eager. I want to get to it. I don't want to waste any time in terms of doing what God has called me to do. I understand that, and you want to get after it. What is the will of God for my life? Or maybe you've been around for a while, and maybe at this stage, things are not going great. And so the will of God is just this piece of saying, God, help me understand what, what my next piece is. Help me understand what the path is, because I'm not really liking my job right now. I'm not really liking the decisions that I'm making right now. I don't really like how I, how I feel about myself when I wake up in the morning. I don't really like part of, part of the journey I'm on right now. I feel like I'm underutilized. I'm under my, I'm under my potential. God, what is... What is, the, what is your will for my life? And the struggle is that it can be so elusive. We want it so desperately, and yet there's a reason so often that we have a hard time finding the will of God. Have you ever had something that you were interested in life and you wanted to go after it? You were interested in it until you found out how difficult it was going to be to get it. And so it's this thing that, that well, I'm going to call that D, I'm going to call that letter D. For those of you who are on the edges, it goes A, B, C, and D. And I'm going to call D the element that that you're interested in, the ultimate thing that you're interested in, but we give up on it when we realize what A, B, and C are, what it would take to do it. Now, let me just give a real simple example, example that I I seem to refer to uh, multiple times, but it's just so easy, it's so simple, the idea of running a marathon, okay? Let's say that's the D. That's the thing you want to do, this ridiculous concept of running a marathon, now, you're an idiot if you wake up, well, if you run a marathon, you're an idiot, but, but you're an idiot if you wake up on a Sunday morning in January and say, I want to run a marathon today, and you just want to go after it. Now, I've known one person to do that, Greg Battle, and… Uh, And and, uh, he actually finished it. You you trained like for a week, but but uh, but it's just just not a wise move because there are steps that should be taken before you can get to D. Okay, and some of you are very familiar with these steps. That at about four months prior to that date of that event, you need to decide: I'm going to do this. This is enough of a a priority for me. I'm going to train so that I can finish this thing and be healthy four months prior to that. And in those four months, nearly 100 times, you're going to have to get up in the morning an hour, an hour and a half before you want to get up, and you're going to have to not push the snooze button, and you're going to have to not smash your alarm clock. You're going to have to get up and do some work nearly a 100 times over that period you gotta, you got to commit to that. And you've got to buy some running clothes. I mean, if you're going to do this, and you're going to wear that one outfit every time, when you come home and say, and say you know, greet your family, they're going to fall over. You're going to knock them over with, hey, everybody, especially if you raise your hand, just boom, you're going to knock them right over. You've got to have the right equipment. you got to get in, and you got to kind of make sure you're set up for that. We want to do D... But we have to understand that there's an A, B, and C to get there. There's just some some of those, the best, most important things that that we want to go after in life. We need to understand what the A, B, and C are for that. We would so desperately want the will of God. We want to know what the will of God is for our lives. What is the will of God? And Paul says, here in these verses, there are steps that need to be taken for us to get there. There's an ABC in this journey that we need to respect that is timeless. These are 2,000 years ago, and it's so, this is written 2,000 years ago, and it's so applicable to us today. There is a journey toward this. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. So before we go after the A, B's, and C's, which I know you're just just so eager. What are they? What are they? I know, I know. You just got to be patient. Before we go after this, let's make sure we remember what's happening in the book of Romans and what we know so far. That in chapters 1 through 11, Paul has walked out the salvation story. Walked out the story of salvation, identifying the problem as sin, and identifying the solution as of Christ's death on the cross, Paul has walked that out beautifully in the book of Romans. And then there is a transition between chapters eleven and chapter twelve. There is a transition. Paul uh, changes gears a little bit. He moves from beliefs this is from beliefs to behavior. Paul moves from doctrine to duty. He just said duty. <laughs> And so here's what we're, we're making this transition from chapters one through 11 to chapter 12, and, and moving on. And Paul says here at the beginning of chapter 12, verse one, "Therefore, brothers and sisters, I, I urge you uh, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy. therefore in view of god 's mercy here 's what I want you to think about here 's how I want you to respond in in view of all that we 've talked about the the love and the, the plan that God has set out the the grace and the mercy of God in view of all that here 's how i 'm inviting you to respond here 's how i 'm challenging you to respond. We respond differently to different kinds of things in our lives. we respond differently to different things that people do for us or do or give to us or whatever. The response can be different. Sometimes the response is a simple thank you. Somebody does something for us. They hold the door open for us, and we say thank you. And there is is an action that's done to us, and then there's a response. Sometimes the response is, is is, is that we are so overwhelmed by what's done for us that we're uncomfortable. Have you ever had that where your response to something somebody's done for you is great discomfort because it's, this is too much? I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like saying thank you. I'm actually uncomfortable right now. Sometimes that can be a response to what happens to when somebody does for us. Other times, you've seen, you've seen some of the YouTube videos, sometimes the response is people freak out. You know, they get tickets to the Super Bowl, tickets to Ohio State game, they get some kind of, they get a PlayStation 4 or whatever, and, and they got it on camera because they know it's going to be a big deal, and people are screaming, ah, 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 and you see these things and they're entertaining to watch. You've seen them, right? You've seen these, these freaky things, and, and so sometimes our response is way over the top. Our response in some, is, is linked to the thing that is done for us or done to us. Our response is linked to that. Our response, in in so many ways, it matches what was done to us. That's what our response is. So let me give you another example. When I drive my kids somewhere, I expect them to say, thanks for the ride. Thanks for the ride. I just expect them to say that. I don't expect them to pause before they get out of the car and say, father, I will be forever grateful for your sacrifice this day, and I want to say thank you. Let's pray together. I mean, that's, that, I don't expect them to go through something like that. I also don't expect them, when we pull up, when we get to the place, to open the door and close it and leave no, 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 no. I will get back out and say, you get back in the car. Just really simple, because I, I want us to learn how to do this. Here's something that's done for you. The response should match in some way. Give you a ride. It's no big deal. Just say thanks. It's part of being a human, right? I mean, it's, it's just this thing. The response in some ways matches what's done for us. So what Paul is saying here, in view of God's mercy, In view of this thing that we've been talking about, chapters 1 through 11, in view of what God has done for you, that Christ, who was perfectly innocent, died a criminal's death so that you can be reconciled with God, so that you can be made right with God. That's what we're talking about here. In light of God's mercy, here's how I want you to respond. And that response should be great because what what we see and what we embrace in chapters 1 through 11 is great. So Paul says, "This, this response should be great. It should be tremendous. Now, I want to be real clear about something here. What we're talking about today is not the path to salvation. What we're talking about today, D is not salvation. It's not being made right with God. We're not talking about how to earn salvation. This morning, we're talking about how to respond to salvation. The chapters 1 through 11, that's over here. That's understanding the story and responding to that that. in light of God's mercy. Here's what I want you to look at. Here's what I want you to go after. A, B, and C, which is a journey towards the thing we really want, which is D, the will of God in our lives. We want to figure this stuff out. So, a, B, and C. Now, if you've been with us for a while, you know, I don't normally do the cute little alliteration game. I don't normally do the alliteration part of messages, and, and if you're uncomfortable with that, I'm sorry, it just happened to land that way this morning. So, we're just we're just going to have to get over it together. That A, B, and C is release, resist, and renew. And that's what I think we find here in these verses, release, resist, and renew. That A... Paul says, release, in light of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your true and proper worship. Release, let it go. Release everything. In response to the salvation experience that that we've learned, etc., in light of God's mercy, Release all that we are, everything, put it all on the table. If you want to get to that, you've got to be willing to put it all on the table and not hold any of it back and say, you can have part of this but not this other piece. We put our hopes, our dreams, our desires on the table. We set it all on there. Our, our desires for success, for fame, for financial stability, etc., we put it all on there. Our past, our mistakes... Our relationships, our job, all these these ways that the world views us in terms of those angles, we put it all on the table. My time, my abilities, my resources, we put it all on the table. We release it all, set it all on the table in sacrifice, as a sacrifice. That's, That's where we've got to start. Paul says, just release it all. Let's get started with that on this journey towards this thing that we want. Sometimes when we talk about someone who we care very deeply about, we can get somewhat poetic and we might say something like, I would take a bullet for you. I would take a bullet for you. I would stand in front of a train for you. I would jump on a grenade for you. We might say some of these, these ridiculous things that are they're poetic and they're they're cute and 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 they're they're sweet, etc. They're easy to say. You know why? Because that stuff ain't going to happen. You know what I mean? The bullet, the train, the grenade. That's that's not. Uh, I mean, the percentage of that happening is really really small. So it's easy for us to say that's what I would do for you. But where the sacrifice piece comes in for real is a lot of other ways that we lay our lives down for others. It's not standing in front of a train. It's In many ways, it's the stuff that's more difficult than that. (laughs) It's the stuff in our everyday lives for the people that we are married to, that we are uh, uh, in a home with in our family, that we work with. When we lay down ourselves, when we find the ability to apologize, When we find the ability to say, I was wrong. That can be so hard. That can be so sacrificial to lay that on, to lay our pride down on that table like that. And maybe even times when we know that we're right to let it go. That one can be even harder. We know that we're right. And even still, I'm going to lay that one down. I'm going to sacrifice that one. Maybe it's those times when we lay down our own preferences. You know, in our, in our selfish world, we say, this is what I want to do, and this is what I want to do. it. And that there are times where we say, I'm, I'm laying that down because I'm in pursuit of something greater. I'm, I'm laying down my desire for revenge, my quest to make things right with someone who's hurt me, to, to, make, to, to even the score. I'm laying some of these things down, and that can be some of the most difficult things we can do. And, and Paul says, this is your true and proper worship. Singing is a great ex- expression of worship. I think when we come together and we sing and we worship, it's, it's a way for us to take a, set aside a moment, whether it's in your car or here in this place, to say, I trust you, God, I am amazed at who you are and I trust you. When we sacrifice, that's our true and proper worship because we say, I sacrifice, I give this up as a way of saying, I trust you. I release this as a way of saying, I trust you. That's what A is, release. And we're not so good at sacrifice. This is hard for us. And that's why this is sometimes elusive for us because this is so hard and yet it's, a, it's part of the journey to say, this is what I want, but we've got to look into these pieces and say, am I willing to do this? Am I willing to do this? Letter B is to resist. This is release. Letter B is resist. In verse two, Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. You notice that there are patterns in life? Uh, Oftentimes, we look at our own situation, we look at our story, we look at our pain, and we conclude, nobody has ever experienced anything like me before. My situation is unique. It's absolutely unique. No one understands. The reality is, it's not unique. Ask any therapist. The reason they can do their job is because they've seen patterns over and over and over again. The reason they can help you is that they've seen the patterns and they know how to break from that pattern. There are patterns in life. We see things over and over again, repeated, um, uh, uh, repeated things. There are patterns in life. I'm, this is a bold statement, but I'm going to say every parent of a young child has had somebody say to them, I'm not saying most, I'm saying every parent of a young child has had somebody say to them at some point, enjoy these years because they're going to go by so fast. Would you agree with me on that? Every parent of a young child has had somebody say to, that, say to them at that, uh, that, that phrase at some point. And here's what I also would guess is that every one of those parents of young children heard that and at some point Thought, I'm tired. (laughs) I'm worn out. And this day or this week or this phase could go a little more quickly if it was up to me in that moment. I'm also willing to say that every one of those parents of young children who have gone through that that experience years later are going to look at a parent of a young child. And they're going to say enjoy those years <laughs> cuz it goes by so quickly. There's a pattern. There's a pattern. We see these things over and over again. What are the patterns of this world? What are the things that we see that we see over and over again. We were reminded of over and over again, this is just the way it is. This is a pattern of this world. What about finances? The financial pattern of this world is, if you want it, you take it. You get it. You buy it. It doesn't matter how much you've saved. It doesn't matter uh, how how, uh, much you're earning. If you want it, you buy it and figure it out later. You want the woman, you take the woman. (laughs) If you want it, you, you take it, and that's, that's what the whole uh, real estate bubble burst was some time ago. It was just, oh, I, I don't need to have the resources or the opportunity to have the resources in the future. I just want it now. And then, and we haven't recovered from that, and that's still an issue significantly here in our community. What, what about some other patterns? What about patterns of dating? That the pattern of this world is that dating leads the sex. That's the pattern of the world. That's a consistent pattern. Every TV show, every movie, even the wholesome ones, even the wholesome movies, if they're on their third date. They're, they're going in the back room. That's just the way it is. That's just what happens because it's, it's fun and it's exciting and it never has any negative impact on your future relationships in TV and movies, right? That's just the pattern of this world. What about the pattern of this world in terms of pleasure? Once again, you you deserve to be happy. You need to do whatever it takes to be happy. If you're not happy with your spouse, get another one. Because the pattern of this world is you deserve to be happy, you're supposed to be happy. And what happens is when we see patterns and we see them over and over again, repeated over and over and over and over and over, we, it's, we're, so, we're so bombarded with it that we, choose, we start to believe it. We start to just embrace it. Well, that must be the way it is. If that's 98% of the message and only 2% of the message is saying something else, well, then that must be true. What about more specific patterns? What, what patterns do you see in your own life? in your own years, in your own journey, what happens when you drink too much alcohol? How, how does that tend to work out for you? What happens when you travel too much at work and you just kind of start to get in a rhythm for that? What happens to your mind, to your soul in that journey? What, what happens when you... Um, get caught up in social media, and it just starts to spin, or, or gaming, or Netflix binging? What, what happens? What are the patterns for you in your journey? What, 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 are, what are the patterns that you consistently see in your journey? Because what happens is, is we... Uh, we, 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 we don't notice the patterns, and then we just flow with them, and they just become who we are. And Paul's, Paul's saying, resist those tendencies. Resist those tendencies. Just because it's what everyone else is doing doesn't mean it's right. We tell that to our kids. We need to kind of look in the mirror on that concept there. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, Paul says. In this journey, you want to seek the will of God? Do not conform to those patterns, resist those patterns. And then he says, see, renew. Renew. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Which literally, just, to, just another way to phrase that, is think differently. Think differently about your decisions, about your day, about your week, about this, the rest of this year. Think differently. The reason this is important is that our, our actions, our actions are hugely important. I mean what we do with our hands and our feet, what you do this afternoon, hugely important. Our actions can be affected by a good moment. We can make a good decision one afternoon. We can be motivated and inspired to make a good decision. But unless our mind is changed, then when we get back to that same place, unless we're motivated and inspired again, we're going to make a poor decision. That our actions can, can do the right thing once, but what they need is a renewing of the mind to think differently so that those actions are consistently transformed. That if, if we step back and say, okay, okay what, what's my thinking behind this? Have you ever had a situation where you look back and you say, what was I thinking? You know, here's this story. Here's what you did. Here's you walk it out and you look, you look at it two years down the road and you go, what was I thinking? What, were, what was my mind doing that led to this path that I'm on right here? Think differently. Let me give you an example. I, I, I want to eat healthy. I do. I want to. There is a desire somewhere in me to eat healthy, but I have a consistent problem when I go to a typical American restaurant, and that problem is that I open up the menu. This is so consistent. My my wife has seen this a thousand times, and I look at the menu, and I see a salad for nine dollars, and then I flip two pages, and there's a bacon cheeseburger with fries for nine dollars. And, and, and so, so my mind is, has a wrestling match every time, every time, every time. Because here's, here's, here's my thought on this. If we were cavemen, okay, if we were cavemen, and one caveman went out and clipped a few leaves from a few bushes and clipped them off and pulled off a few leaves and put them on a plate and then sprinkled some fancy cheese on top of it, and then another caveman went out and got some meat, and shaved a slice off a wild boar and sizzled that up, and then cooked that with seasonings and put a bun and put next to fries. Right next to it, you had one caveman coming back with this, one caveman coming back with that. Which one are you going to vote leader? I mean, or if you, which one would you choose to marry? Right? I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And they're both nine dollars. I just, I just can't. Every once in a while, I'll make a good, healthy decision with that. But nine times out of a ten. Nine times out of ten, when the waiter comes around, I said, why would anyone get a salad? I mean, that's true. That's my mind. My mind is not renewed in this area whatsoever. And so my actions are consistently poor. I'm not thinking differently uh, yet about this. I don't have a full appreciation of what goes into these salads. My mind is, is stuck. Here's a much more applicable example. Much more helpful, I know. When you're in those moments of struggle, sin, uh, when you're in those moments of just this is ah, is a crossroads, here's what I want to do, here's what I don't want to do, when you're in those moments, how often do you think about the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? How, How often does your mind, does your renewed mind think about the Holy Spirit being with you there in that moment. How often is that part of your thinking? Because let me just tell you, if in those moments, if your mama was sitting next to you, you would act differently. If in your bedroom or at your computer or in a hotel room or in your car or whatever the journey might be for you, whatever scenario that is, if your mom was sitting next to you, you would respond differently. And so one very practical way to renew our thinking is to embrace the reality that the Holy Spirit, if you are a follower of Christ, in other words, the whole chapter 1 through 11 piece, you got that, you got that, you are a follower of Christ, then the Holy Spirit is with you always. And so if a renewed mind can embrace that and go here in that moment and say, the Holy Spirit is with me then it's a different story. Then instead of, I gotta do the right thing. I gotta do the right thing. I must do the right thing. Am I strong enough? Should I call and get some help from a friend? What should I do? What should I do in this situation? What should I read? I gotta be strong. I gotta be strong. Another way to think that is, Holy Spirit, I need some help. I need some help right right here, right now, and I want you to be proud of me. I want you an hour from now to be proud of this past hour we spent together. That's a completely different way of thinking. Think differently. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's a reason that we struggle with this thing that we so desperately want. It's because we don't go through A, B, and C because they're difficult, they're hard. And Paul says, in light of God's mercy, here's how I want you to respond. Release everything. Put it all on the table. Resist. Resist. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Renew. Renew your mind. Think differently. Think differently. This is the thing that we want. This is what we so Desperately want to experience and want to have access to. This is what we know our hearts and our minds want, yet are we willing to go through these pieces in order to get there? This is what we want. Are we willing? Are we ready? Are we uh, to, to go through this path, walk this out so that we can experience this? This is what we want. But if we don't go through A, B, and C, then what happens? It's not that God doesn't want to give this to us. God so wants to give this to us. But we miss out on it. It just zooms right past us. If this is all we go after without being willing to do this stuff, then it just zoom, zoom. It just zooms right past us. We don't see it. We don't hear it. We don't identify it. We're not even aware of God's will just being put right in front of us. We just miss it. It's invisible to us. And this is the way that we get to see and smell more of who God is so that when we get here, we go, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I understand. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is what we want. Let's go after it. The band is going to come out and lead us in one final song. I invite you to bow your head and pray with me. Father in heaven, I, I know that you know our hearts here in this room. You know every desire that is stirred up by this letter D. Every desire, every story, every pain, every, every level of anxiety that is saying, God, I I trust you and I want to know your will. I want to know your will in this relationship. I want to know your will in this huge decision at work. I want to know your will in terms of this path or that path. God, you know every desire that is stirred up in the hearts of those gathered here in this place. And so, Father, would you bring clarity to this pathway? that Paul has laid out for us, that you have laid out for us through your servant, Paul, for us to understand what A, B, and C are, that we would recognize it, that, that your will doesn't just happen to us. It's something that we get to engage with you on. Would you help us to do that here, right now, here in this moment and this day as we continue to pursue you and pursue and test and approve your good, pleasing, and perfect will? It's in your son's name that we pray, amen.